I wanted to show you a picture of the newlyweds. Our daughter Joy got married a week ago, and we are thrilled uh, how God brought Joy and Xavier together. They were married in St. Louis in the World's Fair Pavilion. Anybody been to St. Louis, the World's Fair Pavilion? You've seen that, and uh, it's just a great area, but you'll see a picture of them here on the screen, and uh, we're just delighted for them uh, that uh, they've taken this step. Um, so um, Xavier's a great guy. In fact, Mary and I met him, just a little background here. Mary and I met him the same time Joy did. Joy was at a picnic for her Bible study group at West Point in New York, and Xavier's brother was there. Xavier was visiting, he was going to school in Princeton, and he came up, and we met him the same time Joy did. Met his family, and after we walked away, we both were like, I wonder if God's gonna bring the two of them together someday. And we didn't say anything to them, but we just, just secretly, we go, Lord, if that's your will, like you can do that. And about two years later, they began going out and the rest is history. So they are on their honeymoon right now and then they're going to be uh, settling in Nashville, Tennessee, where Joy will work at Fort Campbell in Kentucky as Captain Joy Bledsoe. And uh, yeah, there's a couple army people here. And, uh, and then Xavier will continue uh, medical school at Vanderbilt. So that's their story and uh, we're really pumped for them. So if you're wondering, like, where was Jonathan a couple weeks ago? That was, we were, had all our family together, and it was really a fun time. Most importantly, they're following Jesus, and they love him, and they're building their foundation on their relationship with them, and so we couldn't be happier. We're gonna be talking about a wedding celebration that Jesus invites us to, but first I'd like to read a letter that I received from someone here at Grace. It's an anonymous letter, which sometimes makes me pay a little bit less attention if someone's like, you know, Jonathan, I don't like the tie you wore on Sunday or whatever else, you know, that, or you didn't wear. But, um, but this one caught my attention because they're pretty raw and vulnerable about what they're going through. And I have no idea who sent this, but the postmark was from Cleveland. They say, I attend Grace Church, and here's what they write. Uh, Dear Pastor Jonathan, they start with some kind words about the way I do my hair and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> and then they say this. I'm writing to ask if you would be able to devote a few minutes of your message to how a relatively new believer in Jesus can overcome struggles with guilt and fear, all capitals. I have an extremely low self-esteem in the area of being a Christian, having made enormous mistakes. I truly love the Lord, but don't feel worthy to serve him. In no stretch of the imagination have I come from a family background like yours. This problem of fear and guilt has so hampered me that it's not only frustrating, it almost causes me to, want to, to not want to continue on. And so I respectfully request a message that will provide some welcome relief. Thank you. This message is for anybody who in some way feels the kind of unworthy stuff in your soul like this person feels. You go, I think I could have maybe written that letter uh, and Jesus has some great news for you. In fact, the gospel answers this question decisively, uh, and, and it's not just for a person like this. Can I just tell you, they, they mentioned my family, and I'm blessed by the family in which I grew up, but I need Jesus just as much as anybody else, right? All of us. Nobody gets a, like somehow like a, an extra in because of their parents' religiosity or something like that. But let me just go back to the letter here a second. I wonder what woundedness this person was dealing with, carrying with them. Maybe they grew up in a family that had some issues with anger, there was brokenness. 
perhaps in the desire to be loved, they got involved in sexual relationships sooner than they wish uh, they had. Perhaps there's a habit, a sinful habit that's been really hard to break. They talked about enormous mistakes. Maybe there's regrets from the past that just weigh so heavy on them, and they feel this kind of shame, and they look around people at church, and they go, wow, all these people seem so put together, and if they knew about my past and my life, I would be mortified. Maybe you could write a letter like that yourself, and you go, man, I... uh, Yeah, I I don't feel like a very worthy Christian. Can I just tell you, whatever you feel, there's people around you, that's what they're going through, and they're saying, yeah, I just don't know. Like, if God was gonna invite some people to be part of his family, I I would not be, like, on the top of his guest list. Here's the question. How does God feel about you today? How does he see you knowing absolutely everything about you? Because that's what the Bible says. If you believe the Bible, he knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know you. He knows everything about your past. So how does he feel about you? Friends, we have a clear picture from the scriptures, a, a story that Jesus tells one night at a dinner party that he attends that leaves us without a shadow of a doubt how he feels about you and about me, and especially for those who wonder, am I worthy? Like, if, what if I feel so much guilt and fear? I want you to be encouraged by the words of Jesus today. Let's turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, you can follow along in your paper Bible on the Bible app You'll see the icon for that on the screen there. It's a free download. I want to say uh, hi to all of those joining from other campuses, those of you at the Lorraine campus, Alpha beginning uh, there and here, and hopefully you're, you'll consider being a part of an Alpha group. And uh, also others of you in the online community, really glad to have you with us. I want to give a shout out. We have people in a lot of homes, and, and maybe you're on vacation, but there are people also in some senior living uh, residences And this week, I visited over at Generations uh, Senior Living in Berea, and I want to say hi to Cal and Lorraine Smith, and to Dorothy Purdy, who on Friday, I think she's the oldest member at Grace Church. Dorothy turned 99 years old. Amazing. Um, And she's got family here, and Dorothy, if you're watching this service, you look 70. You're amazing. I want to be like you when I grow up. So, Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a compelling story at a dinner party. It's on a Saturday night. Remember that. Here's the setting, chapter 14, verse 1. It says, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. That just seemed to happen to Jesus. They're also curious. Here's this, like, 30-something-year-old guy, and he comes into a dinner party, and And there's tension from the moment he walks in the door. Jesus had this uncanny ability to successfully offend just about every single person who he encountered. And and yet he did it with the sense of he was humble and gentle. He didn't try to be, you know, he just, by speaking truth, Jesus, and so here's what happens. The first six verses, he offends the Pharisees, how? By healing a man on the Sabbath. 
And the Pharisees said that to heal someone was doing work. You can't work on the Sabbath, so Jesus was doing what? He was breaking the Sabbath rules, and they're really offended. Jesus goes, so you can't show mercy and love to someone on the Sabbath? And he pulls them up short. And then in the next uh, five verses, he offends the guests, verses 7 to 11 here in chapter 14, who are sitting around the table for elbowing their way to the best seat of the, you know, at the banquet. And, and, and Jesus, he says, you know what? It'd be a whole lot better if you all chose humility and you treated others as better than yourselves and, and you were gracious to each other. And then he, he goes after the banquet host himself in verses 12 to 14 for inviting only those guests who could return the favor. And he tells him, he says, hey, you know, you ought to invite people who can't reciprocate, people who can't return the favor. One of the things I admire about Jesus is that he didn't really care a whole lot about what people thought of him. And it enabled him, he, he, he showed love. He, it wasn't like he just was a jerk. He, he, he didn't. He, he, I don't go away from here going, I'm just going to tell people like it is. Jesus was humble and gentle and compassionate. He was full of grace and what? And truth, says in John chapter one. And he had this ability to, to, to speak truth, but also just to invite people in with grace. And, and so it's what he does next, actually, in the story. And, and he, he does this. He's, so they're at this banquet, and Jesus says, all right, I'm gonna tell a story about a banquet. I want, I want us to really pay attention here because he tells this story, a parable, for the sake of their eternal destiny and ours. Jesus is talking in this story about where you're going to spend your forever after. There, there really can be nothing more important for you or for me in our lives than, than this question. And so right there at the dinner table, he gives a parable, a story that's, for some is bad news and for some is good news. And I want us to listen closely because every single one of us is a parable in this, or is a character in this, in this story. There's two groups. There's one group that, that it, for whom this, is, this parable is really bad news because they take a direction that puts them in a place where eternity is going to be really, really bad. And then there's a second group, including the person who wrote me the letter, who feel completely unworthy, but for whom this parable is really, really good news. And it can be good news for all of us here today, and I hope it will be for you. So if your heart resonates with the person who wrote that letter, if you struggle with whether God can accept you and you're aware of your regrets and your failures from the past, we would say welcome to the club, and this parable for you is really good news indeed. So let's read the story that Jesus tells beginning with verse 16 here in chapter 14 of, of, uh, of Luke. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited. I want you to hold on to that. They had already been invited, and now they're getting the second invitation, and he's telling them, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I, I just got married, so I, I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. 
Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what, you'd ordered, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let's just take this story one scene at a time. Remember when Jesus tells a story like this, there's one key point. There's like one one big truth that, that he wants us to get. And what he wants us to hear is that, is that all of us are a character here and we're either in group one or we're in group two. So here's what happens. There's lots and lots of people invited to the banquet. Uh, and obviously it costs a lot because of that. It's this, you know, there's gobs of people and it's provided a great expense and it's a banquet. I want you to hold on to that. He doesn't invite them to come and work in his fields and say, hey, we're doing, he doesn't invite them to a funeral or to some kind of, he invites them to what? It's a banquet, it's a party. There's something uh, key about that. And they had RSVP'd yes. Now, in a prominent banquet in that day, it was customary in the Middle East to uh, invite guests in advance. And so they had all got an invitation and then when the banquet is ready, then the servant goes out and says, hey y'all, it's time to begin, you gotta come. And so there were two invitations you could say, and to accept the first one, and then to deny the second was the, to heap an insult on the, the giver of the banquet. Well, the call goes out, and it's time to begin, and things don't go so well. Have you ever, you ever done a, some kind of big event, party, reception, whatever, and you have all these people who are RSVP, yes, and then it comes time for the event, and you're like, I got all those empty seats. It's not just that you paid for those in advance, it's also a sense of, of um, these are people I care about, like I wonder what happened. Like what did they value more than accepting the invitation to be part of, you know, and, and, to, and to show up when they said they would be here? And so it's not really a surprise that the one who throws the party here isn't very happy to say the least. Instead of coming to the party, these folks start making excuses. Let's just look at a few of them, verse 18. They all like began to make excuses. The first said, I've, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Uh, please excuse me. In other words, I've, I've made an investment. I, I need to check on my investments. Uh, purchase some real estate. And that investment portfolio became more important than a relationship with, with the master of the banquet. Guess number two, verse 19, said, I've just bought uh, five yoke of oxen. Maybe we'd say today, like, I've just bought some Teslas. Um, and whatever kind of car, and I'm on my way to, to take it for a test drive. Pl pl please excuse me. And the last one here says, uh, hey, you know what, I planned a honeymoon at the same time. They knew when the banquet was going to be. Verse 20, though, it says, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So the person giving the banquet responds, how? Well, look, look what it says in verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to the master, and then the owner of the house became angry. He, he, he's angry with those in group one here who, who accept the invitation, say, oh, yeah, I'll be there, and then go, you know, actually, no, and I'm, I'm not going to be a part of your... Now, is there anything wrong with having an investment or going about your job? having a relationship like getting married, not at all. These were forward 
looking moves. They, they weren't like involved in some kind of organized crime or some kind of heinous behavior. They were doing things that would be a normal part of life, but what happened was those things became more important. They took precedence over the invitation from the person who should have mattered the most in, in that moment. And they allow those other things in life to distract them. It's not the only time Jesus tells a story about that. They were just like simply too busy, too occupied to come. They figured that what they were doing in life was a higher priority than accepting the invitation that had been given. Well, this master is committed to a big family celebration. Tells you something about his heart. And he wants to welcome people. So since the invited guests decline, uh, he says in verse 21, he says, go find the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. In other words, uh, people who in that day maybe would not, you've, would not have expected them to see them on, on the guest list. And they're invited, and, and they accept, no doubt, excitedly. And then even after that, verse 23, the master finds out, like, hey, there's still more room. So he says, go to folks who are even further away from me, people way out there who never expected to get an invitation, invite them as well. And you can imagine many of them were thrilled to come as well. But what about the first people who were invited? The first people who were invited who, who had this opportunity to come to the banquet and they say, no, I've got more important things in my life than being a part of Jesus says in verse 24, he ends the parable, he says, they will never, the doors are gonna be shut and they'll never get even a taste of the banquet. It's frightening news. It, 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 horrible news for this group of people. That's the bad news, but there's good news as well. Friends, let me just let's start with this. What's, what's this. What is the story all about? What is Jesus really saying here in this parable? This is what I want you to get, okay? If you miss anything else, here's the point that Jesus is communicating to you and to me today. And it's this. We've all been given a big invitation, the invitation of a lifetime, the best invitation ever, an invitation to be part of Jesus' family. And, and how does Jesus picture this invitation? Like, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk about it like it's drudgery or a bunch of religious obligations or whatever. He says it's a banquet, right? That tells you something about what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, that there's joy and there's satisfaction, there's celebration, relationship, life, freedom, closeness. It's, it's a banquet. And Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to be part of my family, not only for this life, but for the life to come. He's telling us really this, I made you and I want you to be in a relationship with me. It's a stunning invitation to a, an amazing personal relationship with the one who made me, who made you. And he says, I, I'm giving you an invitation. I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be part of my, the home I'm preparing for you in heaven. Everyone's invited. That's a key point right there. And friends, it's possible only because of great cost, the price that had been paid, the price we talked about earlier, that uh, the bread and the cup, and we said this, this is what Jesus was willing to do, that he came to earth, he was God with skin on, so he could live with us, teach us, and then give his life willingly as payment for my sin, for your sin, to make heaven possible. No expense was spared. 
He came into our world to build a family, a family who will eventually live forever with him in an amazing home in heaven. He, he gave his life to make that happen, then rose from death. So what do you think it's like when this first group over here goes, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Like, I, I've got other things going on in life. I think I've got it all figured out. I don't really need your bank. I don't need a relationship. That's essentially what Jesus says. Group number one is saying, I don't need a relationship with Jesus. And the owner is crushed. It's a huge rejection. That's Jesus' point in this story. Invites people to follow him to be part of his family. And it says he came to his own and his own did not, what? Receive him. It's as if they say, you know, it's really not going to work out. Got some other plans for my life. And there's great loss they miss out on heaven with Jesus. They miss out on a relationship. And, and, and the heart of the one who does the inviting is wounded as well. That's the bad news. That's group number one. Those who miss out on the family gathering, the banquet. But here's the good news. Jesus reaches out and calls people who maybe never expected to get an invitation they feel undeserving, and Jesus is saying, hey, everyone is welcome to join the family. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what kind of past you have, you're invited, you're invited. And you could sum up the good news in one word. In fact, you, you could almost say this word sums up all that it takes on our part to be a part of God's family. Jesus says it numerous times through the scriptures. Look at verse 17. See it there? He says, come. Come, it's, it's one of the great words of the Bible. He doesn't say do or go or pay or hope like, you know, do this or do that or, or go here or go there or, you know, try to pay your dues or hope that you can get in. He just goes, come. Come, it's like an invitation, right? You know, a friend invites you over and they're like, hey, why don't you come over to our house? And you go, oh, what can I bring? And they go, oh, I don't have to bring anything, just, just what? Just come, right? Just come. Like they got it covered. They got you covered and they go, it's free for you and it's not free for them, but, it, they, but because they love you and they're, they're like, just, just come. And that's the point of, of the story Jesus tells is that there's this invitation that is nothing that I do on my part or you do on your part. He goes, just, just come. And some accept the invitation and some don't. So let me just remind us, we're all in one of two groups. There's some here who go, you know what, I've got other things in life going on. I think I'm a pretty good person. I think I'm gonna handle this on my own. And they either ignore the invitation of Jesus or they just say a flat out no. And there's tremendous loss. And Jesus says the doors are one day gonna be locked and there's no rain checks. You'll never get a taste of what I prepared for you. Saying Then there's a second group. And those are the ones, like the one who wrote the letter, who say, are you kidding me? I'm invited, like to the family, to the banquet? Like after, after all I've done, like uh, me, really? Absolutely, for sure, yes, I'll, I'll be there. And, and they come, and they don't have to pay, they, don't have, they, just, they just come. And in a sense of trust, they say, Jesus, thank you, thank you for inviting me, thank you for making it possible, thank you for welcoming me in your grace. 
And so it is that the very people that you might never expect to be in the family are the ones who are there at the table. People who know that they're unlikely candidates in Jesus' family, just like in the parable, people who have been far from God, like they're, they're really out there. People who, you know, individuals who have lots of regrets about their past, they feel a sense of shame. They go like, oh my goodness, like all these people around here are like way further ahead and they're, they're more godly than I am. And Jesus says, oh, I want you to come. People who know they don't deserve the invitation, Jesus says, come on in, and they're thrilled to be part of the family. He's, he's like, I don't care what you've done, you're, you're forgiven. If you'll trust me and follow me as your Lord, you're welcome to be part of the family. Just what? Just come, come. That's the invitation. And whether or not you accept the invitation puts you in either this group, where there will be quite literally hell to pay, or if you'll be in this group, people who go, I don't really deserve this at all, but by the grace of the one throwing the party, I have been invited in. I wanna to speak directly to those of you who say, I could have written a letter like the one you wrote earlier, maybe to the person who actually wrote the letter. And you wonder, you say, if God had a banquet, would I be invited like I deal with guilt? I just have a low self-esteem. I've made enormous mistakes. Let me be as clear as I can be. You are invited. Praise the Lord, right? Uh, people who know they don't deserve an invitation, but they get one anyhow, and they're just grateful, and they say, all I have to do is just come and accept his grace and it's not about my performance, but about what he's done for me. And Jesus says, that's right. You know, over and over again in the scriptures, we read that one word, come. I've listed a number of them in your message notes that you can pick up on your way out or see on our homepage. Just go to the bulletin there. But let me just read the last chapter of the Bible, one of the last verses of the Bible. Here it is again, Revelation 22, verse 17. And Jesus is speaking and he says this, the spirit and the bride say what? Come. Let anyone who hears this say what? Come. Let anyone who is thirsty do what? Come. Let anyone who des desires drink freely from the water of life. Friends, it's an invitation open to everyone, which means it's an invitation open to you. And to you and to you and to everyone who feels really far from God and that they can never deserve to be in, he says, I'm inviting you. So how does Jesus feel about you today? How does your Father in heaven, how does the Holy Spirit? Well, listen to the message of the parable of Jesus. The feast has been spread. The invitation is free. And you are invited to come. So which group are you going to be in? I said earlier, I said, I want to give an opportunity that if you go, I've sort of been in this group over here, but I'd rather be in that group over there. Maybe I didn't feel like I deserved it. Maybe I feel like I was too bit, whatever. But today I want, I would like to close with a prayer that just gives you an opportunity to say, I want to accept the invitation. I, I want to say yes to Jesus and, and, and seal the deal and, and tell him I want to be part of his family. I'm going to pray a prayer, 
And I'm going to invite all of us, whether you've committed your life to Jesus or not, something about just praying together that we can affirm the faith that we've declared months or years ago with those who are maybe for the very first time um, inviting Jesus to come into their lives and accepting his invitation. So I'm going to pray a phrase at a time. And would you just repeat aloud after me and let's just pray together. Those of you online as well, don't be shy. Let's, let's pray together, okay? I'll say a phrase and you repeat after me. Dear God, I'd like a fresh start on life. I don't want to stay the same. As much as I know how, I invite you to take leadership of my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me, for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins and set me free. Jesus, I open up my life to you. I want you to be the leader of my life from this day forward. I want to learn to trust you and invite your spirit to guide and strengthen me. Thank you for inviting me to come to you. I accept your invitation and say yes. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for paying the cost of your life that we could be welcome to your family for today and forever. Jesus, there's no greater decision we'll ever make than saying yes to you. So we just tell you today we love you, we're so grateful, we're overwhelmed, and Lord, when we feel unworthy or the guilt and the fear seep in, thank you that it's not about my performance, but it's simply about the invitation that you, a generous king, have given me to come. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. We're so grateful, and we pray these things in your name, and everyone said together, amen. amen.